Chapters eleven to thirteen of Tristram Shandy, Volume four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Martin Geeson. The Life and Opinions of Tristram Shandy, Gentleman volume four last volume by lawrence stern chapter eleven to those who call vexations vexations as knowing what they are there could not be a greater than to be the best part of a day at lyon the most opulent and flourishing city in france enriched with the most fragments of antiquity and not be able to see it to be withheld upon any account must be a vexation but to be withheld by a vexation must certainly be what philosophy justly calls vexation upon vexation i had got my two dishes of milk coffee which by the by is excellently good for a consumption but you must boil the milk and coffee together otherwise tis only coffee and milk and as it was no more than eight in the morning and the boat did not go off till noon i had time to see enough of lyon to tire the patience of all the friends i had in the world with it i will take a walk to the cathedral said i looking at my list and see the wonderful mechanism of this great clock of lippius of basel in the first place now of all things in the world i understand the least of mechanism i have neither genius or taste or fancy and have a brain so entirely unapt for everything of that kind that i solemnly declare i was never yet able to comprehend the principles of motion of a squirrel cage or a common knife grinder's wheel though i have many an hour of my life looked up with great devotion at the one and stood by with as much patience as any christian ever could do at the other i'll go see the surprising movements of this great clock said i the very first thing i do and then i will pay a visit to the great library of the jesuits and procure if possible a sight of the thirty volumes of the general history of china wrote not in the tartarean but in the chinese language and in the chinese character too now i almost know as little of the chinese language as i do of the mechanism of lippius's clockwork so why these should have jostled themselves into the two first articles of my list 
i leave to the curious as a problem of nature i own it looks like one of her ladyship's obliquities and they who court her are interested in finding out her humour as much as i when these curiosities are seen quoth i half addressing myself to my valet de place who stood behind me twill be no hurt if we go to the church of saint Irenaeus and see the pillar to which christ was tied and after that the house where pontius pilate lived twas at the next town said the valet de place at vienne i am glad of it said i rising briskly from my chair and walking across the room with strides twice as long as my usual pace for so much the sooner shall i be at the tomb of the two lovers what was the cause of this movement and why i took such long strides in uttering this i might leave to the curious too but as no principle of clockwork is concerned in it twill be as well for the reader if i explain it myself chapter twelve oh there is a sweet era in the life of man when the brain being tender and fibrillous and more like pap than anything else a story read of two fond lovers separated from each other by cruel parents and by still more cruel destiny amandus he amanda she each ignorant of the other's course he east she west amandus taken captive by the turks and carried to the emperor of morocco's court where the princess of morocco falling in love with him keeps him twenty years in prison for the love of his amanda she amanda all the time wandering barefoot and with dishevelled hair or rocks and mountains inquiring for amandas 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 making every hill and valley to echo back his name amandas amandas at every town and city sitting down forlorn at the gate has amandas as my amandas entered till going round and round and round the world chance unexpected bringing them at the same moment of the night though by different ways to the gate of lyon their native city and each in well-known accents calling out aloud is amandus is my amanda still alive they fly into each other's arms and both drop down dead for joy 
there is a soft aera in every gentle mortal's life where such a story affords more pabulum to the brain than all the thrusts and crusts and rusts of antiquity which travellers can cook up for it twas all that stuck on the right side of the calendar in my own of what spon and others in their accounts of lyon had strained into it and finding moreover in some itinerary but in what god knows that sacred to the fidelity of amandus and amanda a tomb was built without the gates where to this hour lovers called upon them to attest their troths i never could get into a scrape of that kind in my life but this tomb of the lovers would somehow or other come in at the close nay such a kind of empire had it established over me that i could seldom think or speak of lyon and sometimes not so much as see even a lyon waistcoat but this remnant of antiquity would present itself to my fancy and i have often said in my wild way of running on though i fear with some irreverence i thought this shrine neglected as it was as valuable as that of mecca and so little short except in wealth of the santa casa itself that some time or other i would go a pilgrimage though i had no other business at lyon on purpose to pay it a visit in my list therefore of videnda at lyon this though last was not you see least so taking a dozen or two of longer strides than usual cross my room just whilst it passed my brain i walked down calmly into the basse-cour in order to sally forth and having called for my bill as it was uncertain whether i should return to my inn i had paid it had moreover given the maid ten sous and was just receiving the dernier compliment of monsieur leblanc for a pleasant voyage down the rhone when i was stopped at the gate chapter thirteen twas by a poor ass who had just turned in with a couple of large panniers upon his back to collect eleemosynary turnip-tops and cabbage-leaves and stood dubious with his two forefeet on the inside of the threshold and with his two hinder feet towards the street as not knowing very well whether he was to go in or no now tis an animal be in what hurry i may i cannot bear to strike there is a patient endurance of sufferings wrote so unaffectedly in his looks and carriage which pleads so mightily for him 
that it always disarms me and to that degree that i do not like to speak unkindly to him on the contrary meet him where i will whether in town or country in cart or under panniers whether in liberty or bondage i have ever something civil to say to him on my part and as one word begets another if he has as little to do as i i generally fall into conversation with him and surely never is my imagination so busy as in framing his responses from the etchings of his countenance and where those carry me not deep enough in flying from my own heart into his and seeing what is natural for an ass to think as well as a man upon the occasion in truth it is the only creature of all the classes of beings below me with whom i can do this for parrots jackdaws etc i never exchange a word with them nor with the apes etc for pretty near the same reason they act by rote as the others speak by it and equally make me silent nay my dog and my cat though i value them both and for my dog he would speak if he could yet somehow or other they neither of them possess the talents for conversation i can make nothing of a discourse with them beyond the proposition the reply and rejoinder which terminated my father's and my mother's conversations in his beds of justice and those uttered there's an end of the dialogue but with an ass i can commune for ever come honesty said i seeing it was impracticable to pass betwixt him and the gate art thou for coming in or going out the ass twisted his head round to look up the street well replied i we'll wait a minute for thy driver he turned his head thoughtful about and looked wistfully the opposite way i understand thee perfectly answered i if thou takest a wrong step in this affair he will cudgel thee to death well a minute is but a minute and if it saves a fellow-creature a drubbing it shall not be set down as ill-spent he was eating the stem of an artichoke as this discourse went on and in the little peevish contentions of nature betwixt hunger and unsavouriness had dropped it out of his mouth half a dozen times and picked it up again god help thee jack said i thou hast a bitter breakfast on't and many a bitter day's labour and many a bitter blow i fear for its wages 
tis all all bitterness to thee whatever life is to others and now thy mouth if one knew the truth of it is as bitter i dare say as soot for he had cast aside the stem and thou hast not a friend perhaps in all this world that will give thee a macaroon in saying this i pulled out a paper of em which i had just purchased and gave him one and at this moment that i am telling it my heart smites me that there was more of pleasantry in the conceit of seeing how an ass would eat a macaroon than of benevolence in giving him one which presided in the act when the ass had eaten his macaroon i pressed him to come in the poor beast was heavy loaded his legs seemed to tremble under him he hung rather backwards and as i pulled at his halter it broke short in my hand he looked up pensive in my face don't thrash me with it but if you will you may if i do said i i'll be damned the word was but one half of it pronounced like the abbess of andouillet's so there was no sin in it when a person coming in let fall a thundering bastinado upon the poor devil's crupper which put an end to the ceremony out upon it cried i but the interjection was equivocal and i think wrong placed too for the end of an osier which had started out from the contexture of the ass's pannier had caught hold of my breeches pocket as he rushed by me and rent it in the most disastrous direction you can imagine so that the out upon it in my opinion should have come in here but this i leave to be settled by the reviewers of my breeches which i have brought over along with me for that purpose end of chapter 13 recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey